Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Saints Score on Voice FM 103.9 as well as all of your good podcasting platforms. This week we're going to talk about Wolves and what happened there and also preview the Chelsea game. But this week I'm joined by three people, not just the two from last week, three. Jamie's returned. Jamie, how are you? You must have been busy to miss out on Thursday's last recording. Mate, I am a busy man now that's back in uni, but you know what? I put off stuff today just to be here. I am in love with the Saints. I mean, I'm podcast. glad to hear. I'm glad to hear. What have you Do, been doing um, in the last week then? Hush, hush. I've done a few little music videos. Getting... It's been busy. It's been busy getting back to uni and, and doing stuff there, um, like testing and things like that. It's been good fun, but exhausting. So, yeah, you, you are. I mean, you sound a bit tired, but someone that does feel or look a bit under the weather is Ollie. How are you doing this Wait, week? Is it how, do you know, how do you know I look under the weather? I might look very sprightly. You can only I go mean, off my a voice. Few fo- a few photos that you sent me a couple of days ago. <laughs> oh, God, uh, I forgot about know. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what I was, noise I was that was, by the way, for radio listeners. What, yeah. Are you fine? <laughs> is everything okay? Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I have to apologise for any weird noises I might make today. If I sound a bit hoarse, I am trying to drink as much water as I can, as Mikey suggested. But um, yeah, no, I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. I'm just, I'm waiting for my voice to come back, basically. Yeah, fair play. I mean, you do sound a bit hoarse, but something we will be talking about is Wolves. Ooh. Um, yeah, Ooh. I know. I know what a link that is. What a link. Sadly, it didn't go quite as we'd hoped. I mean, if you listen back to the last podcast, I mean, if you want to do so, you can on a Saints score on any of the good podcasting platforms like we had said. Um, we were all quite optimistic, or the three of us were quite optimistic, that this could be our first win of the season. Before the game, Wolves won one of their five of the season. We hadn't won any, but we had picked up four points, so we were quite even. But sadly, we did lose 1-0. Before we get into any of the nitty-gritty stuff, Mikey, give us an overview of the game. What were your thoughts and all of that? Oh, wow. That's a lot to cover in 90 minutes. Um, It felt very even, in well, in my opinion. It felt like a very even game, one that we probably were on top of. Uh, I mean, statistically, we were on top of, but I think there were passages of play either way where it was quite even. And the problem is, is that there was one clear-cut opportunity that was created, and it was all... Like it was really well done by Raul Jimenez, but awful defending from us to allow him to do that. Um, but yeah, that was like the one real moment of quality in the game. There wasn't a lot of quality um, out there, and we just didn't create anything clear cut. I think we had 18 shots, but six on target, which just shows how like unclear cut our chances were and how little we created. Am I right in saying that you're the only person that was able to see the full 90 minutes? Because once again, uh, I was away at Burton or with Burton. Mike, uh, Ollie, Jamie, did you get to see the game? Or, you know, Jamie, you said you live a busy life, so were you unavailable? I watched the a bit of the second half, actually. Mm. Unfortunately, the bit where we got a goal was offside and when they also scored, but... Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> Unfortunately, Ollie? I was working, so I wasn't Ooh. able to. I was able to get back in time for the uh, North London derby, but yeah, sadly, right in the middle of my shift, so I wasn't able to see it. So, you know, once again, I think, Mikey, you're going to be the main mm. man to go to for this episode with, you know, all the analytical questions. But what we all did see was the starting lineup. And I'll go back to Mikey for this. We had no parades in the starting lineup once again. Walker P. Peters was in, and overall, what did you make of the starting lineup? Once again, the four-two-two-two system back in action. Uh, I think the lineup was was it unchanged from the game before, which was Man City. I don't think there was. Uh, I mean, oh no, Jan Benarek coming in for Stevens, wasn't it? That was the only change. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I want to say. I want um, to say. <laughs> yeah, I was. I wasn't too. That wasn't much of a surprise to see Benarek come in. I think Leancho is still a little way away from being in the first team. So I think Benarek was the obvious backup there. I think the only... I I have no issue with Walker-Peters whatsoever. I understand why Ralph's trying to get him in the team because obviously he's a really good player. But playing him on the left-hand side with Redmond, it, it just doesn't work. It, it just doesn't work because you've got... A right-footed left-back, so 
straight away we, it was it's similar to like the Cedric situation we had a couple of years ago when he played mm. at left wing back or left back where he'd have to have two three touches try and cut back before crossing the ball and you can't just put in a first time ball with his left foot or at least he's not confident in doing it um which is i mean it's fine as long as you've got someone who's going to stay at the uh, on the uh, on the touchline stay wide and provide that width in the side and that's not Nathan Redmond he likes cutting inside on his right foot he's a right footed player so instead of having width on your left hand side you've got two players wanting to cut in on their right which just destroys any sort of um width any sort of uh wide play on our left hand side which does, isn't useful when you're trying to create against a side who plays a back five, can double up on your wingers, and they get their, like, Podonts and uh, uh, He Chan. They both track back. Um, so they could basically triple up on our wingers and just pack the middle. And that's what's ended up happening, is that Wolves just packed the middle, and every single time we were getting a good opportunity to have a shot, it was either blocked or, like, or we couldn't create anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that side of the pitch and I'm I'm looking at Perez and I'm thinking, I, you've not done anything wrong to not get into the team, especially as it's a natural left back. Jamie, do you have any idea why, you know, Walker Peters has played? Do you think it's because he's got the Premier League experience? Do you think he's he's got, you know, the trust in the bank from last season to perform at left back? What, what do you think it is? I, I think it's just because Ralph trusts him. He knows that he's a player he can rely on. Especially last season when he was out injured, you saw the difference it made with him not being in the squad in the games we lost. I think Ralph is just struggling to fit in all these players right now. As defensively, it's, defensively they are just our best place, players at the moment. Like our whole back line's decent, apart from maybe Lynchilla and Benedict's a bit dodgy. But our fullbacks are absolutely brilliant at the moment. It's just hard trying to fit them all in. Evidently, it's not possible. I do like the fact that we've now finally got depth, though. Like last season, it was a big worry that we only had one left back and one right back. But now we've got a plethora of different options. It is good to see. But one thing I do feel like we're missing out the starting eleven, not just having Parade in the size, but Gineppo. I think both of them have struck up an, a, a connection. And now having Redsmond and Walker-Peters, who don't quite have that connection on it, do you think we're missing something on that side now? Because it, at least it felt to me like against Everton and against Manchester, I'm 95% sure we played against Manchester United, the games at least that Parade had played in, I think those two played really well together. Yeah, and I also think as well... Um... Perez talk talks about the connection he has with Chinepo. I think they're both French speaking, aren't they? So I think mm. they've been really helpful together down that left hand side. Uh, and it'll be interesting once. I mean, I don't want to spoil a later on segment, but <laughs> when Armstrong possibly comes back into contention, what happens there as well? Because again, we've got uh, Elianusi. Is Elianusi on the left? Sorry, I can't remember. I think Elianusi is on the right usually, oh, yeah. but they're. <clears throat> During the game, they do flip sides to sort of make it difficult for the fullbacks and people yeah. to, to track them. So, yeah, but naturally... The only reason I mention that right. is because it seems like he, he favours Elianusi a lot at the moment. I mean, he is still technically our top goal scorer, so... You know, <laughs> oh, you never you know that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh, you don't exactly know what he's going to do, but he, um, yeah, I think you're right. I did, I did quite like the connection of Gineppo and Perard down the side, but I think he's just trying to man like manage playing time really and try and get those players in it seems like Livermento has been promised a lot of first team football which obviously is the reason we were able to get him but it means one of our you know best players last season Carl Walker-Peters is is having to adapt so it's interesting to see how that will go on in the future I think um I think Ralph said in a press conference earlier on in the season that he wasn't expecting Livermento to be as good as he was um I think he, he he was saying that, he, yeah, he wasn't expecting it. So he was obviously going to be back up for Walker-Peters and that was the plan at the start of the season until it until it turned out that Livermento was an incredibly talented young young player. Um, but I think I think there's a... If, if there's a plan for Walker-Peters to come in and play at left-back, that's fine. But just playing him for the sake of playing him at left-back, it doesn't make sense to me when you've got a player who's done very well in his opening two, three appearances for the side. Do you think that's what they're doing? Because I've got nothing against Walker-Peters. I really like him at right-back, but I'm in the same position where I want Parades to play there. Do you think they are playing him for the sake of playing him? Or do you think it's you know something different? I'm sure there's something different that they're trying. But it feels like 
especially in this 4-2-2-2 system when you've got your wingers are going to play very narrow as 10s. You need width from somewhere and unfortunately Walker-Peters not being naturally left-footed does cut that width down. Um, so I, it, feel, it feels weird to me for a reason why. If he's cutting inside and you've got a player wide like Gineppo who is just going to stick to the touchline, then I think that will work better. Yeah, and despite maybe our disappointment, or not disappointment, but there's obviously a few points of contention for the starting level, but I guess everyone will have that in different points of the squad, so it's, it's just our opinion. If you've got a different one, remember, you can tweet us at uh, Saints underscore score or at Voice FM Radio. Looking at the team, looking at the half-time, and when I when I saw the half-time statistics, because that's when I, I sort of looked at the game, because, you know, I had a break of 15 minutes, they had a break of 15 minutes. We had seven shots, Wolves had one. Mikey, did it feel like we had control over the game? Did it feel like a similar position to the Man City game or the West Ham game where we sort of had a level of control and things weren't necessarily going to plan because we obviously would have wanted to score, but there's no needs, no reason to panic, really. Yeah, I think it was it was very under control. It was it felt like a good performance. We were creating chances, of course, that Nathan Redmond offside goal, which was clearly offside. Um, there was very little debate in the stadium. It was quite funny because everyone was going, "Oh, it's going to go to VAR." It's exciting, and the ref just sort of kicked, like just waved <laughs> walls to play because yeah. it literally took about two seconds. Going, "Oh yeah, no, Redmond is offside," and it did look. I sit at the other end of the ground, and it looked offside from there. So it wasn't even on the Sky Sports package that I, that I was <laughs> no. able to see. So it couldn't no. have been that tight. <laughs> no, but um, yeah, we we did dominate. We had a couple of good chances chances that I can't remember to be honest but we had I, I remember there being a couple of good chances but Wolves' only shot was two minutes in and it was probably the best chance of the half I would say because mm. it was their right back Samedo in wide open space on the right hand side because they moved the ball quickly and that's something that they didn't do throughout the rest of the game they really they had a really high tempo in the first five minutes and then they just sort of quelled down a little bit and we grew into it but no it looked solid it looked balanced we looked good defensively and we looked like that we could create stuff so I think it was a good first half we just didn't find a goal and sadly that's what it seems like it's like this season at St Mary's Fred is our top goal scorer which is a very weird statistic to think of but we scored one goal sadly Jay Adams wasn't accredited with it and, and you know Fred was so it's three games one goal and the game was separated by no, a good goal by Raul Jimenez. A lot of a lot of people are criticising the defending, and I, for one, is certainly one of those people criticising the defending from Southampton. But he's still done well. He's still got past two players and and slotted at home well. I'm happy for him because it's been obviously. I I wish we kept a clean sheet. But if there's anyone that would score for Wolves, I'm glad that it was Raul Jimenez. He's he's almost had a year without a goal. I think it's October 2020 since I believe it was a fractured skull that he, he, uh, he had against Arsenal. So it's a brilliant comeback from him. Not a lot of players do come back from that sort of injury, so fair play to him. But it's another tight 1-0 loss. You were in the stadium. I'm going to go back to you quite a lot, Mikey, but you are in the stadium. When that ball's kicked over the top by Saar, what's everyone thinking? Because at the height of it dropping over Bednarek, you let it bounce, and then, then you do start to worry when there's a clinical striker on the end of well, it. Well, we had two good chances before I think Elianu it was Elianuzi's shot and then Livramento had his opportunity to have a shot as well we had two good chances we looked like that we were really growing into it and all of a sudden this goal the goalkeeper just launched the ball forward and and you just I was to be honest I was thinking to myself Benarek just don't just don't let it bounce just Mm. don't let it bounce he lets it bounce and then he gets it's thrown away by Jimenez really good strength from Jimenez but then you're thinking, right, Salisu's there. Like, Benarek's got enough chance to come back into this. Like, it's a two-on-one in our favour. We should have this covered. But Salisu goes diving in, and Benarek goes diving in. And it just allows... It's, as much as it's a good goal, it's it's a really easy goal for him and to score. If you actually look at just the play, the, the play of the defenders... Salisu tries to stick a leg out, which he shouldn't have done. He should have just stood him up and delayed the progress of Jimenez. And he didn't do that. And Jan Benarek just slid past him, trying to block a shot that hadn't even been, like, shot yet. And that that was the issue, was that we've had it a couple of times this season already. Newcastle sticks out the second goal at Newcastle. Where, like... 
we've made an error in defence and all of a sudden everything's just gone to pot and everything's mm. just everyone starts making errors and like it's it's a good goal from him and it's but it's so preventable from our side and mm. that's that's the frustrating thing is you can see what, three or four errors in the lead up to that goal and it's one man running with the ball like it's not like it's a good team goal. It's literally someone launching out the pitch, four errors, and one player who actually affects the game. And that was, yeah, that was the difference. Is that Wolves didn't make a mistake, and we we made a few in one passage of play. Jamie, did it look like we were panicking defending that goal? Because to me, it seemed like similar, similar like Mike said to the Newcastle goal. When they get into that final third in a dangerous area, when we still it was a two on one for us, but then they quickly made it two on one for them because I believe. I believe it was Pedence on the right-hand side that was giving him an as an option. Did it look like the defenders were panicking in that situation, and that's why they dove in? It's just, it's just such a frustrating goal, like Mikey said. It's just, I don't like to grill players. It's when you see Bednarek, just like Mike said, just go for a challenge that hadn't even happened yet. He just knew it was going to be frustrating, going not frustrating for a few seconds going ahead because I think it's a bit tough for Salusi to do that all by himself against such a clinical striker like Jimenez. It's just. It's just frustrating to be honest, Harry, because he's like I said, Benderek, I really wish that Jack Steers wasn't injured because I think I realised how vital he was to our defence. Because listening to an interview that um, uh, Livermento did saying how influential Jack Stevens is playing with him, I think he just hasn't, it shows how vital he is to that starting 11. Not having him there and Benderek coming in, it's just not quite the same. And after the break, we'll analyse the game even more, but we can't forget about the three-man quiz. For someone that might be new listening, this is three players that have played with one current Saints player, and we'll announce who it was in the third segment. And this week, it's Carl Jenkinson, Kurt Zuma, and Wayne Rowledge. I'll quickly go to Mike. If you've got any ideas, obviously don't say it yet, but is anyone... I haven't even written the players well, down yet, in your head like, as, I can't... as we currently speak. <laughs> That's fine by me. If it means that you don't get it this week, I'm only joking. Carl Jenkinson. You three seconds after you've asked like the thing. Like, I'm not going to get it then, <laughs> am I? I'm just trying to see any point of struggle for this week. But for people that don't know, Carl Jenkinson, Kurt Zuma, and Wayne Routledge. Those are the three players this week. Have a think over the break, Mikey, Jamie and Ollie, and I'll see if you've got any ideas after this. Hello, welcome back to Voice FM 103.9. This is the Saints score, available on all good podcasting platforms. We're still reacting to the Wolves game. In case you missed any of it live, you can listen to us again on the Voice FM website, or like I previously mentioned, any good podcasting platforms. If you're enjoying the show, make sure to get in contact with us at, at Voice FM Radio or on our own social channels at Saints underscore score. Tizard, what's your thoughts, man? What's my thoughts? Well, there's still a couple of things that I do want to cover about the Wolves game. And one of them was the substitutions. I was talking to Mikey a few days ago about this, but Shane Long coming on over Teller, I'm not 100% certain on, you know, I want to see Teller get some more minutes. He's only got 11 in the Premier League this season. He's been encouraging in the cup, despite the fact that it's against Newport and, and a Sheffield United side who haven't been that exciting and also made 11 substitutions for the game that we played. But, Mikey, you want to back the Shane Long substitution. I know Ollie, Jamie, holds. I know you think this is biased, but we'll just take it as it is, Mikey. I want to hear yeah. it. Um, the Shane Long substitution, I oh. think, was sensible um, <laughs> in the situation. And I know that Jamie is currently shaking his head, even though I can't see him. Uh, he's he's not happy about this. But um, yeah, when when playing against this Wolf side, I think bringing on Nathan Teller would have been similar to uh, playing Adam Armstrong in the game. So Adam Armstrong was marked out the game pretty well. I think he, he had three or four shots, but they were Adam Armstrong shots. They weren't good chances. They were just chances where he picked the ball up and just went for it, which is something that we know that he loves to do. Um, 
And bringing on Teller in a game where they sque- Wolves squeezed the middle of the field so much, made dribbling incredibly hard through them. You couldn't carry the ball into the final third. It was always like a pass. I'd be interested to know how many times we did carry the ball into the final third. Um, so bringing on Teller to play as a nine, I thought would have been the wrong decision because you're bringing on a very similar type of player to Adam Armstrong. Um, and there's very, I think that it would have been very limited of what he would have done. Shane Long came on, obviously he was quite limited in what he did as well. He didn't have a massive impact on the game. However, it gives you almost like a second target man because they bought Brozier on. Shane Long's got the physicality to have the leap on him to win headers, win knockdowns. And that's how like the last 10 minutes were played is all the space was out wide. So all of the time it was just balls coming into the box from crosses. So it wasn't it wasn't like a case of, oh, he's brought Shane Long to come on and score an impact. It was him probably to actually either make a run out wide and put a cross in or be an impact in the box so that he can get a flick on or maybe get a shot on target or something like that. And it he did. He, he had a shot, left-footed shot that got blocked, I'm pretty sure, like for five, six minutes to go. But that that's why I thought it was, it was a more calculated substitution than bringing on Teller because it, it, the physicality of the game, I don't think it would have suited Teller playing as a nine. Maybe if he would have played wide, it would have been different. But we know that Ralph likes playing Teller as a number nine up front. So I think it it was a little bit too physical and too compact in the, mid, in the uh, midfield and in the defence for Teller to have a proper natural impact on the game. Ollie, I want to hear your thoughts about this. We need a bit of a right to reply. So do you agree or disagree with... The data analyst sports science man. Uh, well, you, you set it up in a way where I can't really argue with it, can you? I mean, <laughs> I, the reason people want to see Teller is because he's an exciting player and he seems like someone who can make something happen. And I understand in a physical game, he might be the not the, the sensible choice to do and it might have been the correct one to do Shane Long. But at the end of the day, I think the fans want to see someone who's going to be exciting and try and make something different happen. So I understand the fans' frustrations and I also understand the sports analysts making the sensible choice. So I understand both ballparks, but, you know, it's it, sometimes it does leave you wanting more when you kind of think, you know, Teller can make something kind of happen out of nowhere. Is there an opportunity, you know, even if it was another free kick outside the box or something like that, and then it's another chance for Warprouse to have a go. You never know, do you? Teller's very good at picking up fouls. We know this from the end of last season. There was two games where I know one of them got overturned, but he was very good at getting those free kicks and those fouls, which is something that you might have needed, especially as we know we're good with set pieces. So yeah, I understand both camps, but yeah, it's quite it's quite hard to do it on reflection when you know you've lost the game, isn't it? Mm. I think with with the fact that Long didn't make an impact on the game, I think it just made it more of a um of a concern i think i was also i was listening to radio solent when driving home and one of the presenters on there made a very good point in the fact that shane long was loaned out in january to bournemouth like he wasn't needed at the end of last season and now he's being bought on as a third substitute with 10 minutes to go to try and make an impact in a game we're losing it it is a weird circumstance that he's under um so that that's probably another reason why people weren't particularly happy with it because he he wasn't needed last season now this season he's coming on as a as an extra striker to try and change a game so uh, i also get the fact that what we've had 10 years of shane long or however long of yeah, shane eight, long eight-ish, eight-ish, eight ish eight or nine eight, years of shane eight. long people know what he's going to do people don't know what teller's going to do because we've only had six or seven months where he's had a real like chance in the first team so i i get that as well is that it's it's the boring choice to bring shane long on it's not the boring <laughs> choice to bring nathan teller on um but yeah i i i understood why the substitution was made in that sadly way. sadly what the substitution didn't bring is goals i'm not saying teller would have done it's just a fact we didn't score in this game we didn't score against manchester city we didn't score against west ham we had 18 shots against wolves i think we had 10 against west ham and 11 against manchester city maybe the other way around i'm not too sure and against wolves you know they only had five shots but we still had a lower xg even though we had triple the amount of shots what 
What's not quite going right? Is it the chance creation? Are we not creating good enough chances in the fact that we're having these shots, but they're not accumulating high XG? I know not a lot of people are a big fan of XG, but I like it because it, it tells you how good each individual shot is. Or is it due to the fact that our strikers aren't clinical? Adam Armstrong had a fantastic season in the Championship last season. I think he scored 29 goals. and He had a great start when he scored against Everton, but he's been a bit ineffective in the last five games. Che Adams, he's never been the most clinical striker, but he's a very hard worker. And I don't want to ask the Talk Sport BBC Radio 5 Live S question, despite the fact that they're both very good broadcasters, in the fact of, are we missing Danny Ings? Or how much are we missing Danny Ings? There's a lot to take in there. I said that I spoke for a long time for about seven different questions. So, Jamie, pick out of that what you want to go for it. There's been no goals. Of course, we're missing yeah. Danny Ings. Danny Ings have arguably kept up the last few seasons he's been here. Without him, I honestly don't know where we would have been. And it's really showing now that, yes, we replaced Danny Ings with a good quality striker and Adam Armstrong. But to replace a player like Danny Ings, he's bringing two players of Adam Armstrong's quality to try and get the quality that we've missed. Unfortunately, I don't know if that's the, that's the case. Because like I said, Chadwick is a good player, but he's not quite the same. And we are evidently lacking goals. I think January is cannot come soon enough to get another player. Mm. Ollie, do you want to go? And then we'll hear the, the words of Mikey, because I, I trust him with these sort of things. So we'll and go to Ollie to next. <laughs> Which of your eight questions are you asking me? Well, just your overall opinion on on the attacking force, the fact of we're taking a lot of shots, but maybe they're not great chances, we're not scoring. How good do you think our attacking line is? How good do you think the build-up is? Any of, any of that sort of amalgamation of about seven <laughs> right. questions you could put into uh, a thousand-word um, essay for me, please. Thank you. Okay, in two to three working days, yeah. That's so all by me, five references. Okay. And then we'll, I'll, we'll I'll just uh, do a little bit of planning off the top of my head. Um, I think we really miss Stuart Armstrong, so I'm hoping he comes back into the side soon. Um, I think it was always quite a tall ask for Adam Armstrong other Armstrong to adapt straight away and get you know the, the amount of goals that Danny Ings is going to leave from the side um, Ralph keeps talking about how we need to to share the goals between us because there won't be one person who who scores them all like Danny Ings was um, but I still think you know Armstrong's goal where he put it in top corner on was this debut or it, yeah, it, it was yeah. his debut. It was wow. his debut. I think that got fans even after friendlies. Had no friendlies. First game, bang. Yeah. Top so fans really kind of got excited. for well, there we go. We don't need to don't need to worry about that anymore. And they, we had a really good <laughs> um, uh, little substitute appearance from Broger. Um, but then he played in the cup and then looked a little bit more kind of rusty. Didn't have many touches on the ball. So I, I don't think our our strike force is the finished article yet. It will take time. And we've known that, you know, all the Saints fans, we've been fans for a while. And we know if they were already the finish article when they got to us, they wouldn't have gone to us. They would have gone to a higher team. They would have gone, they would have gone to like a top six team straight away. So, yeah, you know, like it's going to happen where we have to wait for them to find their feet. And then sadly, we won't see enough of them when they're at the best because they'll already be out of the door. But we know the deal with Saints fans. That's kind of what happens. And, uh, yeah, I think it... Sadly, we've just kind of got to wait for the time. And I, yeah, don't know. Mikey, go for it. Um, yeah, I, I think you you could see like a partnership developing between Armstrong and Adams. I think, I think, <laughs> I think that's a promising uh, a promising thing about it because we knew how important that partnership between Ings and Adams was. We also know that Adams isn't going to be the firing striker, so it's important to get Adam Armstrong up to speed as quickly as possible uh the point about xg xg isn't the most consistent thing because it's calculated in many different ways i've seen multiple websites saying that we've out, out xg wolves during that game obviously the website you've looked at saw wolves out xg us it's it's down to how many variables people use or what calculations they use and all that yeah. sort of stuff so it, it it can be very depending on what website you use depends on what xg score you'll get from it but like i think it, chance creation wise they haven't been the strongest of chances um but we've we've played some really tough teams uh, on our opening five six games and to get four points from those games in games that we've lost majority last season i think it's 
it's a positive. Like as much as we're not scoring goals, we're not conceding them. So it's not like last season where the last what three, four months of that year, we weren't scoring goals and we were conceding three, four sometimes during games. So it's there's been a fix there. So that's not it's not too bad. It's the only issue is when you start conceding more goals, you need to score more goals to get back in games. You only need like the Man United game, we scored from Che Adams deflected shot from twenty yards out. That could bounce in at any point. Like you just don't know. There were multiple instances in the Wolves game where we would get a shot off and it would deflect off a Wolves player, but unfortunately it would go the direction that the goalkeeper was diving in. Like if that comes off his boot in a different way and goes into the back of the net, no one cares like that that who scored it or how it was scored. It just went in. Mm. And you look at the last 10, 15 minutes of the West Ham game, we could have had two or three. So like I don't think the issue is chance creation. I think it's just like finding that end product. And once that ball goes in the back of the net, it doesn't really matter how it goes in. It's just gone in. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. With the XG part, I should have referenced where I got it. It was at XG Philosophy on Twitter. That's how I get all my XG stats to have a look at, you know, how it's going, basically. But I'll sort of go with you, Mikey, again. I don't think the start of the season's been that bad. Although, you know, everyone's frustrated after a game. I'm absolutely no different. And I, I, there's a couple of points that I put in our in our personal group chat talking about it. And I think at the start of the season, when you've had six straight games, no wins, four draws... You know, there's a level of frustration that you've not won in the first six games. However, if you put this ga- these six games in, I don't know, game three, seven, 14, 19, 27 and 32, for example, and you look at the six games individually, you'd probably say each of the games were fine. You know, every you will lose to Wolves. We've lost to Wolves twice in a row. You know, getting a point against Manchester City, West Ham, Manchester United, very credible. Newcastle, very credible for us, us specifically anyway, uh, because we're not have, don't have a great record there. And against Everton, you know, we don't have a great record there either. So, do you think it's just a bit unlucky that with these six games starting at the start of the season, and then the next two will be Chelsea and Chelsea and Leeds? it's going to be difficult once again, or is it the flip side of it that you just now go, every game in the Premier League is going to be difficult. The the quality is 10 times better than it was, and the only games really that we'd be expected to win would be against maybe Burnley, Watford and, and Norwich. No disrespect to those teams, but I just feel like we've got better squads than them. What, what are your thoughts on that one? With, with, um, I, I wish there was a way that the media could score a performance instead of a result. Like I, I think the performance is much more important than the result. If these performances were poor backs to the walls, we weren't creating anything. Like um, we were being battered left, right, and centre. Like that's then issues. Like there, there are issues there. But the performances actually haven't been bad. They've actually been good. A lot of the performances have been good performances. Um, so I, I don't think that's much of an issue either. Um. And I, I always think to myself, as much as you're always looking at the league table to see where you are, league table doesn't really matter until the last like ten games of the season. Like that, that's when it really matters because that decides whether you're going up or down. Like these games, you're just currently looking at them, going at at the moment we are sixteenth. However, we're six games into a season. It doesn't matter where we are now. These these points will be important by the end of the year, and that's how like your Sam Allardyce has looked at it. It's like, you, you may be bottom three at the moment. However, if you can stick up a load of results, like four or five games that you're not expecting to get points from, which arguably I don't think we really were against the likes of United, West Ham City, Everton, Newcastle. I don't think we were expected to get points from those games. They'll be important at the end of the season. So at the moment, it doesn't actually matter where we are. As long as we can keep being consistently good, then it, it, it doesn't matter. We'll finish fine. You know what, Mikey? You've made me feel a lot better about this season because I was walking back from university today talking to one of my one of my university friends who, who's a Norwich fan and he's obviously worried about the season, but I think he's got a lot more reason to. And I looked at our results and I was quite concerned as well, but you, you've calmed me down quite a bit. So uh, thank you I for that. I'm glad I could have that. Effect. Right. <laughs> After the break... 
We will talk about the big preview against Chelsea. It's coming up this Saturday. Remember, if you've missed any of this massive Wolves reaction, remember at Saints underscore score uh, or just, just Saints score on any of your good podcasting platforms or the listen back feature on the Voice FM website. Quickly, the three-man quiz before the break. The three players are Carl Jenkinson, Kurt Zuma and Wayne Routledge. That's Carl Jenkinson, Kurt Zuma and Wayne Routledge. You've got to get your brains ticking really quickly because after the break, that's when we're going to reveal the players. Jamie, Olive, you got any thoughts? Because I know Mikey knows it. Don't reveal it if you do, but have you got any quick I thoughts? Do, do you think you might know? I am clueless. I have no You're clueless. Ollie? I've got an idea, but I don't know if it's right. We'll see. Oh, you've got an idea. I I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that a lot. I try to make it more difficult, but I think Mikey's found the crack in my plan this week. So uh, have you people at home found it? Well, we'll have to see after this. And we're back for the final segment of this week's Saints score on Voice FM 103.9 as well. As all of your good podcasting platforms, remember, if you've missed anything this week, remember, Saint Score on any of your your podcasting platforms or the voicefm.co.uk catch-up service where you can hear it all again. Right, three-man quiz. This week, Carl Jenkins and Kurt Zuma and Wayne Rowledge, all three of them have played with one current Saints player. Ollie and Jamie don't know it, so yeah. we're going to have to go with Mikey. What do you think? I think it might be Theo Walcott. Who gave it away? Um, well, all three of them did. Carl Jenkinson played for Arsenal. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was his parent club out, out of loads of loans. Kurt Zuma had a loan move to Everton while Theo Walcott was there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Wayne Routledge, I'm guessing, is England under 21. Think- <sighs> yeah, he's, he's now. I it's completely forgot Theo Walcott was a Saints player. You forgot. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't played this season so far, so I'm trying to think, who yeah. could it be? No, he's he's right. Yeah, I know, it's difficult. It's mental. It's all right to make mistakes, Jamie, don't worry. It's <laughs> still, it's, I found it's quite an easy one now I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I, I, I think during a break, I think me and Harry are saying you could pretty much get it from one, and that's the Arsenal, Carl Jenkinson mm. one. Right. I don't Ooh, think I thought it was Kurt Zuma. I thought it was Kurt Zuma. I thought it was Kurt Jenkinson. Because if you get if you get the loan move to Everton, I can't think of another player that we've currently got that no, played. I, I think this is this is an issue we've discussed post uh, post uh, podcast is where um, Harry hasn't got a lot to work with with old players in the squad. It's a very young squad, so if you've got like <laughs> yeah. people like Wayne Routledge there or Carl Jenkinson, you know it's going to be like one of Fraser Forster, Alex McCarthy, Theo Walcott, that sort of player. So you've got like four or five to pick from. Because no, that was the problem that I was looking at Elianuti, but if I go Salah Harland, it's quite <laughs> obvious where the previous link is coming from in terms of Barza and Norway. So, uh, yeah, there's a, a, only a small pool of players. But you know what? Theo Walcott will come back at some point during this season because there's 38 games to play. And we don't have 38 players to pick from. So it might be next week. It might be the week after. Or it might be in 15 weeks' time. But Theo Walcott will see you again at some point. <laughs> anyway, let's move over to Chelsea. Mikey once again beats me. But will we beat Chelsea they're off on the on back-to-back losses. They lost to Juventus during the week, and they lost to Manchester City last weekend. Ollie, what are we going to expect from this Chelsea side oh, that that man. won the Champions That's not League last great, season? To be honest, <laughs> um, I mean, I really hope we can do the kind of heroics like last time when it's a free all. However, that was also Frank Lampard and not Tuchel. So, <laughs> yeah, slightly different, isn't it? So, um, oh, Lukaku worries me as well. Yeah, he is fully fit, ready for this game, I'm pretty sure as well, isn't he? So, I think so, yeah. Oh dear. Who's he going to be up against? Salisu? Salisu <laughs> either either way, it's not good news. And that's nothing against our two centre-backs. It's just against a team that isn't in the top six, Lukaku has got a, a ridiculous record. Mm. So yeah, he does I'm, always... a, I'm a bit concerned. But they don't have oh, yeah, Kante. Sorry. I was just going to say, he yeah. loves a goal sorry, against yeah, Lukaku as well, doesn't he? I remember even yeah. when he was on poor form at Man United, he still got a brace, so... Yeah, anyway, you were saying about Kante. Yeah, Kante, Jamie, he's not going to be fit for this game. How, how encouraging is that? Although they do have a lot of centre, central midfield quality. They're going to be thinking, why didn't we keep Oreo Romeo, Harry? 
They perfectly fit into that role that Kante has left free. But to be, in all seriousness, though, it is a good. I, it's, if anything, it's a one good thing to look forward to. to the games that Kante won't be there. He, the man, who sweeps up every single thing that goes through the midfield. And it's like so, <laughs> Lukaku coming in is that maybe it'll be a goal fest, but a goal fest to both teams, and we'll scrape a little draw, two all draw, I reckon. That I sort of so. vibe. And it's, it's our time to shine. Our attackers will finally be like, you know what? We can score goals. They'll go for it. Well, I mean, I think, like, like Ollie said, we drew three all with them last season. I, I want exactly. to say anyway, I think Vestergaard got a last minute goal on the season before. We beat them 2-0. So we've got a good record against Chelsea in, in recent years. Unbeaten in two, if that's if that's good, being unbeaten in two. <laughs> you know, we've highlighted Lukaku. Mikey, would you say Lukaku's their main threat? And even if he is, who else do we have to look out for? Because they do have a lot of attacking talent. Let that be Havertz, let that be Werner. Or, or there are the wingers, or, or is it defend, a uh, defender? To be honest, that I think you can point you. to any of the Chelsea front three, front four, like even the likes of Mason Mount and people like that, and you go, yeah, that's that's going to be an issue. Um, in all fairness, we haven't actually done that badly against Chelsea away, have we, in mm. the last couple of years? Because you oh, had well. the three, the three, three that you mentioned, two nil the win. Um, as well on Boxing Day a couple of seasons ago, and also remember Angus Guns. Um, incredible performance that he had. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, where we drew nil nil. Oh, we haven't actually had some two poor performances against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, and we have caused them problems. Um, but no, you, you just—I mean, they're European champions for a reason. You can you can see it. Um, the one positive that you can take is from—I know the quality that Man City have, uh, but the previous week they struggled a lot when being pressed. Um, while playing out the back. They made a lot of mistakes under pressure while playing out the back. So that may be a positive you can go into that and say, look, they may struggle when playing out defence, but City's press was so organised, that's how organised Southampton's going to be. Uh, if that if it isn't organised, then there will be problems. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our squads, you look at last time, we've played two short once, good 1-1 one, one draw against them. We probably should have won that day as well. If you remember, a lovely goal by Minamino and then and then Ings gives away a penalty for, I want to say, Mason Mount. Yeah, it's got to be Mason Mount because he's, he's a Portsmouth fan. He loves scoring at St. Mary's. I think he's he's done it once before yep. as well. I think when they beat us 4-1, I want to say. But, you know, looking at the rest of the top four teams, you know, Manchester United, they probably need a central midfielder. You look at Manchester City, they're lacking in a couple of positions. May that be striker. Uh, that, that That's probably their main one. Uh, Man- uh, Manchester United, Liverpool, maybe it's just the squad depth overall that you're thinking. Maybe if they get an injury to Salah or one of their central midfielders or one of their centres, actually saw last season, they dropped down the table. I say dropped down the table, they only went down to third. So that's still very impressive from them after all their injuries. Have Chelsea got the most complete squad in the league? Because I'm looking at, you know, their starting eleven, dangerous. I'm looking at their bench, dangerous. Do you think they are in in it for the league this season? Do you think they are the favourites? Because I said Manchester City at the start, but I'm looking at it now. I'm thinking Chelsea. They're going to be hard to beat, especially because they've had a tough start to the season in terms of fixtures, and they're they're still only one point off of Liverpool. For sure, they're going to be up there. Um, they have they are coming off back to back defeats though because they mm. did lose to Juventus last night as yeah. well I lost believe Juventus, yeah um, Allegri yeah. before the game he's got like a strange game plan and everyone was looking strangely but I mean it works it works but yeah you can you continue but yeah I I think maybe centre half wise I think Rudiger's been fantastic this season uh, there's been links with him going to like Real Madrid or something like that isn't it like there's it been links with him going like elsewhere. Um, Christensen's been really good as well he's been sort of like under the radar quite a nice surprise of course he played in the Champions League final he came off for Thiago Silva or someone uh, but he did fantastically Azpilicueta is always solid for Chelsea as well so I think yeah they, they probably are the most com- I mean you can say the most complete squad I think you look at Man City and go well they could select any one of their 30 players and it's still be a really good performance but Chelsea you look at the starting 11 you go yeah that's that's quality enough to win the league yeah but there's teams that have beaten Manchester I mean uh, Chelsea this season like you said Ollie Mikey's mentioned the press and he's mentioned our good record do you, do you think do you think the press is the best way to beat them is there any individual player that you look at and think he can cause them a lot of problems or should we just go in there backs the wall and try and get a nil nil draw 
Um, I mean, you'd you'd remain hopeful that we can still stick to our identity, which is the press, don't you? However, the better opposition you play, the better they're more suited to playing out the back. I know Mikey said um, they kind of struggled against Man City, but they're still going to be a quality side that are going to be able to play comfortably on the ball. So I hope we can still create some problems and put pressures on at the right moments. We might have to try and balance it where... We're not going for it the whole time, but we kind of pick and choose our moments. But it just really relies on us being clinical if we do get any opportunities, which is something we've really struggled with this season as a whole, even when we've been on top of games. So, uh, yeah, I'm not exactly like hopeful, but I'm thinking if we can kind of, you know, pick and choose when we go for that press and an opportunity comes out the other side and we take it, there's a chance we could get something out of it, but everything's kind of kind of got to fall into place, which with our kind of our last couple of games, it doesn't seems unlikely, but I guess we'll see, won't we? The magic. Yeah. We, we haven't made a lot of changes in our recent games in, in terms of the starting 11. Jamie, you know, we've not won this season in the league. Is there anyone that deserves a starting position in your eyes that needs to make the difference in this game? Nathan Teller. He's been glued to the bench so far this season, apart from cup games. I don't think it's very fair, to be honest. I think the man proved himself towards the end of the last season. I'm not too sure what he's done to Ralph, but he's clearly offended him somehow. Uh-huh. As he's just not playing. I think maybe, yes, Chelsea's a tough team. Play against, maybe it could be a time for him to step up. Who knows, you saw Obafemi step up last, in the last three years and he scored that wonder goal. <laughs> he is not going on about, but still. <laughs> now's the time to say, say if, I'd say if Jack Stevens wasn't injured we'd probably change a bit of a five at the back and have Salusi and Bednarek and Jack Stevens playing there but we can't do that now because I don't think Lancillo is really that ready so nothing else can really change Lancillo where's this coming from I'm saying it's that now I'm I think it's. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no eyes in there. I'm I, I think, like, I think oh, Jamie, no. Jamie said it once, and he's just sticking with it now. He's just, he's just <laughs> he's he's powering like, through. Tom Howie's mixed Lycano with Chinchilla, and he, he's yeah. come up with this this magical, <laughs> this magical player. But Mikey, oh, do you think we're going to miss not having Broser on the bench uh, because he obviously is playing against his parent club? And looking at Livramento, do you think he's going to be excited again for this game and uh, against the team that not let him go because they did want to keep him? So it's not like he's been thrown to the side. They did want to give him a new deal, but he wants to show him why he should have been given that uh, starting position in their squad. Yeah, he's he's got. Uh, I mean, I say he's got a point to prove. He's proven why he wanted a starting position and why he was good enough to be playing uh, first team football for us uh, this season. Uh, Broge is going to be a miss because it seems like he's quite a nice impact to have off the bench uh, with the size and the physicality that he seems to have. He he had a good impact against West Ham, less so against Wolves, but I think that was just due to how they played. Um, it, it's just going to be. It's going to be interesting because how Chelsea play, they sort of strangle your strikers out of the game. So with the two up top, they've, their movement's got to be really, really good and really excellent. And I think it will be key for our um, fullbacks to stay, well, to try and overlap, get high um, and put their wingbacks under pressure. And I think, I mean, we've seen Ralph in these games. He's been brave. He's gone for it. He hasn't sat back. He hasn't looked to... Um, look to get a nil-nil or look to get a point out of the game. He has gone for it in some circumstances and, and we had against Chelsea a couple of years ago. Of course, it was a slightly different Chelsea side, not European champions, but like, there, there is an opportunity here. Like There always is to cause an upset and it's something that I think we might be able to do. How important is it to go into an international break off the back of a good performance or a win? Because if we lose, for example, and Newcastle and Leeds win, or, or Burnley, for example, if they win, and we drop into the relegation zone, and then there's a two-week break and then until we then play Leeds, what sort of effect do you think that has on the players? Or, because it will only be seven games into the season, they can go, you know, we, we've got a respectable four points out of our starting seven games. If we do lose, there's still plenty of season to go. We're going into a nice run of fixtures after the Leeds game. Which, which sort of, which, what do they think at that very moment? Do you? I think when people anyone? when the, when people make those comments, I think it's more down to a fan base thing than a player mm. thing. 
like a lot of players like you'll you'll talk about them and i mean i i don't know if it's uh, this is generalizing them too much but it it's sort of when the game's done the game's done and you move on and you go for the next one there's not a lot of flicking back and looking back at what happened before it's what can happen next and they'll have two weeks where i don't think a lot of our players have been called up i know che and uh stuart have been called up for scotland um i i couldn't I haven't and seen anywhere else. Probably gone as well. I yeah, he's probably Lee's gone to Norway. I'm guessing Benderek will go to Poland as well, and we'll have a some couple out. Ones, but... no, no surprise ones. Like the I think, same I think, national break, really. Yeah, I think yeah. that you'll have the same group of players that have two weeks to work, try and work their way into the squad, try and improve, try new things. Um, but for a fan base perspective, if we've gone into a second international break, what well, our next game will be at like mid October. Um, yet to have a win, I think it will cause strain, and we've seen strain already because there have been a few calls for Ralph to get sacked, um, like on on your social medias and all that sort of stuff, saying it's not good enough. Uh, so there there is strain in the fan base already because the fact we haven't picked up a win so far. Right, we're coming here to the end of the show, and what that means is it's prediction time for the upcoming game. We're going to bang through this Ollie prediction for Chelsea versus Southampton. Two all, two all. I like it. I like it. What? Any thoughts quickly? Oh, why I think it's two all. I why? don't know. I think. Uh, I think finally we're going to have something that clicks. Confidence is going to surge, um, and yeah, I think we might get a couple of goals. And I think it'll be one of those ones we go, oh, I wish we could have got a bit more, but you would have taken a draw at the start of the game, maybe. Uh, yeah. Tr- uh, two, 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 two. Mikey. Um, I think it'll be 1 0 Southampton. Why not? Let's go for it. Let, hey, one ambition. Ambition. Yeah. yeah. Who's going who's gonna to sneak the winner? Um, Shane Long. Oh. <laughs> Right, okay. He's, he's already ruined his prediction. I'm just going to move on to Jamie. Jamie? I think Jamie said 2-2 two, two earlier on. Jamie um, said 2-2 two, two early on, so yeah. I'm going to go for that one. I'm going to stick with that one. I'm unsure. I, I want to keep our unbeaten run going against Chelsea. I, I feel like if I did a prediction, I, I feel like if someone made a prediction table come the end of the season, I'll have 38 games, 19 wins, 19 losses. I don't think I'll ever predict Saints to lose, really on this podcast so it's a bit of a bias table but I'll go for an, an Ollie special I'll go for a one all, and I don't think it's, it's outside the realms of possibility for a one all this week so if we get five points out of our opening seven and I think we'll put going into, going into the game against Leeds with confidence that I think they've got Watford this week so they're expected to win that one if they don't then it's going to be serious pressure coming to St. Mary's. So yeah, I'm going to go one all. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening to this week's episode of the Saints Score on Voice FM 103.9 as well as all of your good podcasting platforms. Next week, we'll be here with a Chelsea review and, and hopefully it'll be a positive one to, to help you get through your international break and we'll be, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes. Anyway, thank you very much for listening and we will see you next time.